From caps to tees and from bags to bumper stickers, we have you covered. Visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash shop. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Mary Byrne is the National Coordinator and one of the founding members of Fluoride Free New Zealand, formerly Fluoride Action Network New Zealand. Just to recap, Mary became involved in fluoridation in 1999 when her local council threatened to fluoridate her water supply, learning how harmful fluoridation was and the fact that it does not even reduce dental decay. She ended up feeling compelled to help stop fluoridation for the whole of the country. Mary's been on our program a couple of times in 2023, and she's back in 2024. Good to see you again, Mary. I hope you're well. Yeah, I am. Thanks, Paul. Good to see you as well. Thank you. 1999, so you've been at it for a while now. Yeah, yeah, certainly have. Okay, so what are we up to now? It's um, going on 15 years. Yeah. Uh, 25 years, I mean, well, I was going to say 20, quarter of a century. Yeah. Do you... Before we get into uh, talking about um, the fallout from Alistair Harding's doco for RCR and uh, some of the um, the news on fluoride from um, the United States, do you think you're getting close now to, first of all, winning the debate, but also ejecting fluoride from, well, the water system, let's say? Yeah. Definitely, um, I feel that we're getting close because of the research that that we now have. Um, well, I've been watching the uh, the US court case, and the evidence against fluoride and against fluoridation itself is so overwhelming that it's really, really difficult to see how they can continue arguing this. I mean, the only the only way they are keeping it going in New Zealand is because of people's ignorance. Yeah. And, you know, um, there's a quote by George Orwell that says, um, tyrannies, tyrannies, um, I can't remember exactly, but it's something like tyrannies rely on fraud and force. And when the fraud is gone, all they have is force, and so that's that's where we are in New Zealand. We're at the force bit, and that um, um, waving things in front of councils, two hundred thousand um, dollar penalties, ten thousand dollar a day fines. That's the force bit, is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, certainly. I mean, they can no longer let communities make up their own mind, and you know, I believe. Um, Oh, I'm sure it, it was a lot to do with the efforts that that we were making with going to the various councils and explaining the issue to them. And so many uh, of the councils and the, the councillors in particular didn't want to continue with fluoridation. Yeah. And so, you know, that's why they, the government took uh, took control out of their hands. Let's talk about um, uh, the Alistair Harding documentary, Fluoride on the Brain, well-named. Yeah. Yeah. We talked with Alistair um, and... Um, uh, a councillor from um, Rotorua uh, about uh, that a week or so ago. It's been very well received. And I'm wondering um, what the response was. Um, I think the Dental Association um, furnished a response later on. They weren't actually in the documentary. So what what was their response that, as far as you could see or can see from um, that documentary. 
Um, well, what we've seen from the New Zealand Dental Association is they have answered Alistair's questions. Mm. So we, you know, we've gone through those and um, done a rebuttal on them and put them on our website. Okay, so what? Um, let's go through some of the questions. Yeah. Um, I think one was, um, "How does fluoride work?" Is the first yeah. one oh. on the list on 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 your website? Yeah, that's right, because when fluoridation was first introduced, um, the belief was that children needed to be um, consuming fluoride because it got into their growing enamel and that then that became more resistant to dental decay. So that was what the whole fluoridation was predicated on. But then in 1999, the Centers for Disease Control um, came out with um, research that said, well, actually having fluoride incorporated into the enamel doesn't really make much difference. So the benefit they decided, therefore, was topical rather than systemic. So it was from applying it to your teeth. So that now has been accepted. So the old theory has gone. And, I mean, that, it should have stopped fluoridation then and there because if it didn't work by swallowing, then there's obviously no point to put it in the water, and especially we have fluoride toothpaste. And that's what most people use. And there's fluoride varnishes and things like that. So Dr. Robin Wyman, who answered the questions on behalf of New Zealand Dental Association, he says there, he agrees that the, the benefit is topical. So he's, that he's espouting this new theory, basically, that as the fluoridated water goes past your teeth when you're swallowing water, that that's providing some sort of benefit. And the other benefit or the other mechanism for benefit is that the fluoride goes into your bloodstream. And he might not quite say this in that rebuttal, but this is what he said at the Hamilton City Council years ago, was then um, some of it goes off to your bones and your soft tissue. That's around 50% of all fluoride that you consume. So that actually should stop fluoridation because we don't want fluoride in our bones or soft tissue. And it should be raising such a huge question. So, Robin, what, what's happening to the fluoride in our bones and how much are we accumulating and when would we get skeletal fluorosis? Like there's so many questions. And what soft tissue? Does it affect the kidneys? You know, et cetera, et cetera, right? But anyway, he ignores all of that and then says the other amount, of, the other fluoride that's going around your bloodstream, then some of it gets into your salivary glands and it goes out your saliva to provide this low-dose constant benefit. So we've gone to a huge amount of trouble just to have this little bit of fluoride in our mouth. Now, but what, but what blows that completely out of the water is that a fluoride toothpaste is a 1,000 parts per million. That's adult strength. Child strength is 400 parts per million, and the Ministry of Health recommend that children have adult strength toothpaste because they say 400 parts per million doesn't work. But fluoridated water is 0.85 parts per million, and that's just brushing past your teeth as you swallow it. And what's coming out your salivary glands is 0.016 parts per million. So it's something like 65,000 times less than the fluoride toothpaste. Okay. That's what it is. It's preposterous. Yeah. And... For anybody to believe that, it just beggars belief, really. And the, as you say, the uh, dilution or the concentration or the lack of it in water 
up against the uh, toothpastes and presumably the other products, if they were to be um, scientifically sort of measured uh, parts per million or whatever, um, then th th you can't argue the water. No, no. Yeah. Okay. Um, another question was, what are your views on its toxicity? What was the response on that? Oh, I haven't got that right in front of me, but he basically says that um, it's not toxic at the levels that we're exposed to. So he's just ignoring ignoring all the latest research. And, mm. um, you know, the latest research is, is really high-quality studies. And what he also does is he refers to the 2014 um, Chief Science Advisors Report so that was for the uh, Prime Minister's office, uh, Gleichmann, Gleichmann and then Skeek from the Royal Society of New Zealand. But, you know, there's a whole lot that we could say about that because that was 2014. So now there's been a whole lot of really uh, well-conducted study in fluoridated areas in Canada and also um, one some from Mexico where they had the same amount of fluoride exposure that we have. Now, the National Toxicology Program in the US, which is the big review of uh, fluoride and IQ, that's been that was sort of published, finally sort of made public um, in May last year, that was saying that half of the high quality, so there's been 72 studies that they looked at, but 19 were high quality, and half of the high quality studies was, have been since 2015. So, you know, for Robin Wyman now to just refer back to the 2014 review is completely missing. Because the they're point. outdated and totally superseded. That, exactly. That's, that's, that's the words I was looking for. Yeah. Outdated and superseded, yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. And I think um, um, obviously the, the big thing out of that uh, U.S., um, report was the effect on children's IQs. Was there any awareness of that from them? No, from Robin Wyman. No, he's just dismissing. He's just dismissing everything. Um, what he did say about the NTP was, "Oh well, we'll just have to wait to see what the um, what the top guy on that said." You know, but what they have said is most definitely that if the water contains 1.5 parts per billion, then that is neurotoxic. That would be lowering children's IQ. So yeah. and they, they probably don't say most definitely because all science always tends to be, um, you know, this, the way they speak is always less dramatic than that i suppose yeah but but uh hang on um the pro fluoride they talk in definite terms all the time oh yeah that's true that's true so even if we were to say 1.5 part per million um i mean we we believe you know we're actually saying it's lower than that because we have this study these studies from canada and we have the studies from Mexico where they have fluoridated salt, but the the um, cohort was measured to have the same fluoride levels in the urine as New Zealanders and right. Canadians. Yeah. So, um, but even if we 
were to, to ignore those highest quality studies, 1.5 part per million doesn't provide any margin of, of safety because we are fluoridating the target in New Zealand is 0.85. The Ministry of Health say to the councils to fluoridate between 0.7 and 1 part per million with a target of 0.85. So then if we look at the Canadian study from 2019 that got published in um, JAMA Pediatrics, which is the top pediatric journal in the world, what in Canada, their highest amount allowed for fluoridation is 0.7 part per million. But in actual fact, in that study, the average amount of fluoride in the water was 0.58. Right. They found a lowering, a significant Even with lowering that. Yeah. of IQ. And we are at 0.85. We are way above. Yeah. Okay. So basically, you've got a very entrenched, entrenched position that, um, um, that the responses from um, Dr. Robin Wyman, uh, they sort of show that it's going to be very hard to shift them out of that. Yeah, I don't think that we ever will. Uh, I don't even, I don't think we should be concerned about um, shifting them out of it. Uh, I think, you know, and, and the thing is, Alistair's asked, you know, the dentists, because they're the promoters, but the dentists don't know epidemiology or toxicology, so they're not they're not really the people we should be asking, because we're not going to, we're not talking about toothpaste. If we were wondering, you know, hey, what's the best type of toothpaste to use, or what you know, what sort of um, mouthwash or something like that, or what type of filling should we have, then we could ask the dentist. But considering what we're doing is drinking this toxin in our water supply every day, all day, every day, then it's it's not the dentist we need to ask. We need to get epidemiologists involved and look at the whole broader issue. I mean, this is affecting our whole body. Yeah, but, but people who are being persuaded one way or the other, they give credibility to the dental professionals, because they just make a basic assumption that they must know everything about that. Yeah, and that, that assumption's wrong. Yeah. Because they don't. They don't know about kidneys, liver, pineal gland, skeletal fluorosis, neuro, you know, neurotoxic effects, et cetera, et cetera. They know about teeth. That's yeah. that's their domain, you know. Sorry, mate. You only know about teeth <laughs> is what they need to be told. Okay, um, so that's interesting. They had the opportunity to respond. They have. You've got those on your website, fluoridefree.org.nz, and you can follow the links there. Another interesting story, which you've also got on the website, is this case um, in, in San Francisco, the Fluoride Action Network and others taking a case against U.S. Environmental Agency. And they're alleging that they've not followed the correct analysis for fluoridation chemicals as they are required to do under the Toxic Substance Control Act. So tell us a bit about that. Yeah, um, so Fluoride Action Network and others, they petitioned the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency in 2016 to say that they needed to do a risk analysis on fluoridation. 
And EPA said, no, that didn't, there's not enough evidence for them to bother doing one. And so the uh, Fluoride Action Network and others have um, sued them, you know, taken them to court to say, no, you, you have to do an analysis because under this act, the Toxic Substances, Toxic Substances Control Act, you are required to um, make sure that chemicals are safe. So they have to do a big, uh, you know, there has to be a risk analysis. So considering all of the study that's come out about fluoride, um, they need to be looking carefully at those and being able, able to have a ruling that will protect everybody. So under that act, they don't, they're not allowed to consider any benefits. So it's not a risk benefit okay, um, sort only, of ratio. Yeah, okay, only risk. Yeah, only risk. Which is really good because, um, you know, mostly the benef mostly the benefit from chemicals will be for industry. Yeah, you know, profits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so what they're looking at the the main focus is all about the neurotoxicity because this is where the best weight of evidence is, and watching um, watching the court cases that you know the trial over the last few days, it. What I found difficult is to really understand what the EPA's argument is. So the EPA are arguing, no, they, they don't have to do a risk analysis because, because there isn't enough science. But the plaintiffs have been able to point out, well, you know, even if we use this 1.5 part per million from the National Toxicology Programme, there, if they were to apply their risk analysis to that, you couldn't have fluoridation. You couldn't be adding that chemical to the drinking water because there's absolutely no margin of safety. So the plaintiffs have brought in really good um, uh, witnesses, and uh, there's the likes of um, a man called Grandjean, and he has worked for the World Health Organization, National Institutes of Health, um, I think he's advised at EPA. He's, he's worked all across those sort of uh, organisations over like a 40-year career or maybe 50-year career. And um, he is also the expert in mercury. So he was the person that, you know, found out about mercury toxicity and it was from a place in Japan where they realised that these mothers were eating a lot of this uh, shellfish, I think it was, that was that was contaminated with mercury and that was affecting the IQ of the children. So Grand Jean has done uh, what's called a benchmark dose and he's worked out using um, the, the, the best Canadian study, which was green, which was published in JAMA, and the Mexican study. These, these are the two top studies. And then another study he's actually got from Denmark because he, he's Danish and in Denmark, they don't have any fluoridation, like virtually the whole of Europe, but some um, some places have kind of higher levels of naturally occurring fluoride. And, you know, all sort of underground waters will have some fluoride in. Yeah. So anyway, he's done this analysis combining all three of these cohorts, and he's found that the benchmark dose, which is the level where they've found that there's harm, is 0.3 per billion. Gosh, it's just going down and down all the time. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. 
And then, <clears throat> and then if you add a factor of 10 to give um, a margin of safety, we're down to 0 0.03 part per million. Yeah. Yeah. So what's what's transpiring is that even in even in a lot of non-fluoridated areas, people are, are getting too much fluoride because fluoride is, is definitely only a poison. Yeah. You know, there's no nutritional benefit whatsoever. So say if people are drinking, um, you know, some sort of underground source that might have 0.3 or point four, and then you know there's just so much variability in a person: how much they drink, how much uh, tea they have, how much um, mouthwash they use, toothpaste they use. They might have particular pharmaceuticals that might have fluoride in, like Cipro is a fluorinated antibiotic, which has been known to lead a lot of people to have fibromyalgia. Um, and then pesticide residues is another way. So prob probably most people are getting more fluoride than they should. And then if you add fluoridated water, you're just getting just that another big dose that really is putting people at Which risk. Which you don't have any choice in opting out of. That's the thing. No, in reality, you don't really. And that's what the New Zealand Supreme Court ruled in 2018 that it is compulsory medical treatment. Yeah. And it seems that uh, there are, you know, medical people who are, are quite okay with that. Mm, I know. It just seems they've lost all ethics, doesn't it? Well, I think it is more than it seems they have. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. And, I mean, that's one of the things that's astounded me really over the years because it just takes basic um, respect for other people. Well, we yeah. saw that in COVID as well. Um, not, not that I want to make it about COVID, but again, it's the same pattern of behaviour. Mm. Um, there was yeah. a high awareness, and don't, and don't tell me that they're not aware, a high awareness of the dangers of this thing well in advance, yet they were quite happy to give it to Yeah, babies. that's right. And they had found that there was a lowering of IQ from fluoride by about seven IQ points. Now, what, what they put in the Chief Science Advisor's report, instead of saying with that they found a lowering of seven IQ points, um, they put it found a lowering of one IQ point, which was of no functional significance. So we wrote to them and said, no, it's not one IQ point, it's seven IQ points from that meta-analysis. So they changed it to say a lowering of less than one standard deviation. Now, standard deviation IQ is 15 IQ points. But the trouble is, is most people have no idea what the standard deviation no, is for right. IQ. So we read the sentence and say, you know, it goes, oh, no, the meta-analysis only found a lowering of IQ of less than one standard deviation, which is of no functional significance. And so for the vast majority of people, we would read that and think, oh, it's okay. Yeah, nothing to see there, yeah because they know for a fact that it was seven IQ points. That's the fact. And they've hidden it in less than one standard deviation, because, of course, seven IQ points is less than one standard deviation. Yeah, but it still but, can put people in an IQ category, which is severely reduces cognitive... It's really serious. Ability. It's, 
it's really serious lowering the population's IQ by seven IQ points of an yeah. average of seven IQ points. It's yeah, really average. serious. Yeah. A five IQ point loss would half the number of geniuses and increase by 50% the increase um, the number of children who are mentally impaired. So it's a serious shift downwards. Speaking of low IQ, um, I've heard you and Kane on the platform and um, I think you were with Michael Laws and I found the, I heard a bit of both of those and I know both people involved and I know you two and I couldn't believe the reception you got, both of you. Yeah, well, with the, um, the conversation I had with Michael Laws, we were talking about the directives that have been sent um, from the Director General of Health, who was then um, Bloomfield. Yeah. And it went to 14 councils and it said to them, this is why you should fluoridate. And what they gave is evidence. One of the pieces of evidence that Bloomfield used was this Cochrane collaboration review of fluoride and dental decay. Yeah. From 2015. Now, I said that I said that that Cochrane collaboration, even though it says our oh, uh, fluoridation seemed to reduce IQ in in children, it then has a whole lot of caveats, and it says, however, however, um, in the in the review, we could not find um, we could not find any benefit for adults. We couldn't find any. Uh, it did not reduce inequalities which is actually a huge point because that's the whole reason why they say to do fluoridation. Well, Bloomfield mentioned that. He mentioned Māori and Pacifica mm. and and disadvantaged kind of groups. Mm. So he exactly. singled those out. Exactly. And then they always do. Yeah. They always do single well, them out. It's part of the cell job. Yeah. And, he, and the Cochrane collaboration said um, there was no evidence that stopping fluoridation would, would increase lead to an increase in dental decay. There was um, no modern scientific evidence um, of benefit from fluoridation because the, the studies were pre-1976, so before fluoride toothpaste, and 97% of the studies were biased. So I said to Michael Laws, you know, the Cochrane collaboration, really, if you read it, it's, it can't be used to promote fluoridation. And Michael Laws says to me, oh, I'm no, I'm relying on, what the government says. And I says, well, that's what the government said to the councils. And he says, no, it didn't. And I said, yeah, it did. And he goes, no, I've got the directive right in front of me. It doesn't say that. And I didn't have the directive right in front of me. And so I was like, uh, no, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure that it says that. And, it, you know, I did know it, but it, it unnerved me because he said he's looking at it and it's not there. And so I was, you know, kind of startled. But um, anyway, I get off the phone and I send it to him. Then Kane sends it to him as well, because I get off the phone and I go and have a look, and it is definitely there. Kane texts it through to him, and then Kane rings him up and says, it's there, I'm looking at it too, Michael. And it's, it was exactly the same. And if you go on Twitter and look at Coronavirus Plushy, he did a really good thing with it because he – he shows it exactly. It's exactly the letter that Michael Laws was talking about and three times it says about the Cochrane collaboration. Yeah. Was there any comeback, like any calls say, look, sorry, I got that wrong? No. Oh, no. No. No, definitely not. 
No, and, you know, when Kane got on the phone and said to him, no, I'm looking at it too, um, Michael Laws just says, no, no, it's not there. Okay, well, that was great to get that update. And um, I think my gut is that um, we can banish this um, fluoride in the water anyway, probably by the end of the year. Yeah, well, I'm really, I'm really hopeful. And I think one of the things that we could be doing is in the fluoridated areas, um, people, it would be great if groups would get together and lobby those councils, because even though the law in New Zealand is that they can't just make a decision to stop anymore, there, there's no law in them telling the truth about the situation. So what they could be doing is they could be sending out a warning to pregnant women and to parents who are bottle feeding their children not to not to use the fluoridated water. And I mean, that is a message that, you know, I, I always try and say when I'm speaking to anyone is that those, those two life situations are the most important ones to avoid fluoridated water yeah. at. Yeah, because that's where that IQ hit starts, right? Yeah, and you know, there's there's now about three or four studies showing um, it increases ADHD rates, and I'd say that 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 boy, that we haven't that, seen any of that lately. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I think that study, that sort of research will continue, and we'll find out more and more. I mean, one of the studies, um, and I think it was 2019, Riddell from Canada found a threefold increase in ADHD in the fluoridated area. So, I mean, if you think threefold increase, you know, it's starting to look like a lot of ADHD is caused by fluoride. Well, how else do you explain it? it? What else What? What else could be generating it? Well, we probably have a lot of other neurotoxic things. There might be some people still being exposed to lead. Um, then aluminium, and you can get aluminium. There's a lot of aluminium in vaccines. Okay, well so there you go. Yeah. That will be another another aspect I would say. And then pesticides, you know, all sorts of things. But um fluoride also exacerbates all all, all other toxins. It's sort of like a bit yeah. of a fire beneath, you know, beneath them. Yeah. So if so I, I would really like it if people um in the fluoridated areas really put pressure on those councils to start that warning, those warnings. Well, they and should anybody, be providing non-fluoridated water to pregnant but, women. Yeah, and bottle feeding. Uh, yeah, and they and it should be delivered as well because yeah. if a woman is pregnant, it's not really that easy to be going out and getting... If um, they want to play this water. game... Yeah, they should. And, I mean, that's what they could be doing. They yeah. could do that. So, and what I was going to say is why that, that time, those lifetime... Um, is so important is because it's it's a one chance, yeah. you know. If if you can't wind it back, you you cannot wind it back. Whereas if you're an adult and you're finding that you've got back pain, kidney pain, uh, a low thyroid, all that sort of stuff, you can stop, you know, yeah. your exposure to fluoride, and a lot of that will get better. But you can't change that neurodevelopment. No. All right. Um, okay. As always, really interesting. Thank you, Mary Byrne, National oh, well, Coordinator and one of the founding members of Fluoride Free New Zealand. Let's see what happens. Okay, thanks a lot, Paul. Thank you for tuning in to RCR Reality Check Radio. If you like what you're listening to, just like what you're listening to. Either way, we want to hear from you. Get in touch with us now. 
You can text us with your message to 2057. That's 2057. Or email us at inbox at realitycheck.radio. We would love to hear from you. So connect with us today.